0: intelligently making changes to a routine. You change routines too often or make too many changes. You lose gaining momentum. You don't take the opportunity to change your routine and you potentially miss out on valuable individualization for the trainee or your clients. So I am going to guide you through that mire today. All right, folks. Thanks for joining me. Today's topic is going to be making adjustments on training how do we do it how do we best take advantage of it and avoid the pitfalls which are associated with either too frequent or not enough changes all right so let's begin now uh, firstly i want to discuss a term that i call training purgatory now when you get new or even sometimes experienced trainees They fall into a trap occasionally of what is referred to as shiny object syndrome, that is, they see something online, they feel like it makes sense. It's applicable to them. They change their routine and aim for that increase in performance, which they feel they're going to get. And the problem is twofold. Firstly, the problem is that any period of change takes about two to four weeks for you to fully adapt to the new set of challenges to the body. And during those two to four weeks, while you might see progression, you're not actually going to see a great deal of progress simply because you need to spend time bringing up poundages. So that you're working at your max, adapting to the new demands of the routine. That is training purgatory. That period of two to four weeks where you are just getting back up to the point of working hard because you've changed from a full body to push for legs or push for legs to an lower or another to a body part specialization, just some kind of change. It's going to take you about two to four weeks to really adapt and get into full flow those two to four weeks is what I term as training purgatory. That's what you want to avoid living in. And my experience with talking to new clients is that in the past, Some of them have basically lived in training purgatory. So they're constantly just switching things up and sure they see some progression because again, the weights take a while to sort of build back up to max working capacity, new exercises, new set and rep schemes, new even order of exercises. takes a while to really adapt. And so they see how there's two to four weeks, they see something else, which is new, they go, oh, let me make this change or change this routine. And before they're basically changing the routines every four weeks which essentially leads them to live in this training purgatory most of their life. Now that has two consequences. The first consequence is the obvious one. They don't really generate any kind of gaining momentum. They miss out on just living at that max zone for months and months, which is where you see the true gaining. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, and this is a bit more of an insidious problem, but it's much more of a long-term problem. If you never live, at maximum weights. You're never going to adapt to the demands of living at maximum weights. Okay. You're never going to adapt to the demands of having to train at full bore intensity all the time. So that means you're never going to know the experience of living there. And you're going to think training and training intensity and how hard you work is simply what you do during the whole building up poundages process of training purgatory. And I've seen this probably more often than I think people think it's going on. Because when you're in training purgatory and you're living there, you just think it's actual training. And then you look at a guy who's quite advanced and you see how hard he trains and you see his physique and you think, damn, how's he got there? He must have great genetics or he must be on drugs. What you don't realize is no, that guy has lived in that max zone for months and potentially years and he's just used to it for him that's training when he switches on in the gym that's what he goes for whereas if you are constantly changing routines and you're living in this training purgatory your idea of what is hard training is going to be a shadow of what it actually should be but you just assume that's it and just like everything in life you don't if you don't have the experience of doing something new or leveling up You're just going to be happy with where you are. You might not be happy with your progress, but you're going to be happy with where you are. And then over time, you just think, you know what, that's my genetic lot. I guess that's it. So what I refer to as a maximum weight is the golden zone. And for those of you who are the OGs of the channel, you'll remember this is a term I used well over a year ago when I first started on YouTube. And that is the the golden zone is this. The golden zone is when all of your training poundages are at max effort. Okay. So I'm not talking about max singles. I'm talking about max sets of 10, max sets of 20, whatever you're using for training. And you are just living in that zone where you're constantly going to the gym and training with the heaviest weights that you can do for the appropriate rep range. You're at that max effort for months and months. Sure, you might take a load here and there, whatever, but but that's a conversation for another day. We're not going to talk loads today. But basically, it's at the point where your training is at maximum effort. You're never just getting used to a new routine. You're never building poundages up, you're constantly living in the zone where you're training at the max. And I'll give you a quick way in which you can determine whether this is you or not. If you are intermediate, advanced guy, and you're only able to add one or two reps at a time, you're doing well, okay? Now, if you're down in the comments thinking, you know, I add 10 pounds every workout, odds are, The only way you can do that is if you are a ranked beginner or if you're constantly changing routines and you're in that training purgatory, nobody adds 10 pounds a session unless you're in training purgatory. So actually when somebody says to me, yeah, I've been on the same routine for a while, I can barely manage to add one or two reps per session. I know they're a hard worker and that's typically what your advanced trainees doing because they're used to being in that golden zone. So gold zone is training at max effort for months and months. And as a result of that, and to support that your sleep is good your nutrition backs it up you're actively trying to reduce your stress that is what leads to your fastest gains in muscle that's how it happens months and months of that type of progress so there's a distinct difference before we move on to the exact details there's a distinct difference there's training purgatory where you're constantly recycling poundages and you're trying to get up to the point where you're working hard the acute disadvantage of that is you're not going to make progress, not significant progress. The long-term disadvantage is you may actually never get the experience of truly working hard, and I think that's generally what leads a lot of people to turn to drugs or just to turn to like dirty bulks or whatever stuff like that, or maybe look for supplements or whatever. But yeah, the reality is they just, they've never had the experience of training hard, so what they term training hard is a shadow of what it is. For those of you who read um, Plato's Republic is it'll be like you're living in the cave. And you're looking at the shadows right that's training purgatory it's the plato equivalent of training purgatory you're not seeing the joy of actual hard training you're just seeing a shadow of it for those of you who live in the golden zone for those of you who live at maximum weight all year round you guys know what it is to actually live out in the world right because you're seeing training for what it is that is the golden zone and i'll tell you another thing that might give you an indicator of not training in the golden zone and being in purgatory. Some people say to me, whenever I eat, it goes straight to my waist. You know what? Odds are you're probably in training purgatory because you're just not training hard. And I've even gone so far with some clients to only put them in a caloric surplus once they've done the initial two to four week buildup and their training poundages are at maximum effort if they're new to me, if they're new to coaching oftentimes I'll begin coaching with a client either maintenance or a slight deficit and then once they've got adapted to the routine and we're in full flow that's when I'll raise calories because that, at that point they're in the golden zone and they need the calories they need the sleep to support what they're doing that is a super key okay now the actual point of today's is to discuss how exactly to make changes. To be fair, I could have stopped the video there because it's a, it's a good enough point, but we're going to go through and discuss how to stop, how to make changes correctly. So this is the high IQ way to adjust your training, right? This should only be done in a controlled and logical way. And there are usually three main reasons that I use to change your routine. Now you should only consider a change when a reasonable amount of time has elapsed that you've actually done some training, okay? And I generally work in blocks for about four to six weeks. Nothing magical about a block, okay? A block of training, again, I'm not gonna cover the deload issue. A block of training, just it's just, a, it's just a definite period of time where we can look back and evaluate and adjust. That's why I like blocks. So it refers to any medium length period of time, okay? So I adjust routines based on having done and completed a block of training. We look back and we just look at, these three factors that I'm about to point out. So the three main considerations on how to intelligently make changes are this. Firstly, injuries. And they don't have to be catastrophic injuries, soreness, any kind of pain. Second is if you require more or less focus on every body part. And thirdly, mental change, which is probably the least important, but I'm going to go over that. So let's go over all three, probably in some kind of order of not so much importance, but in sort of order of urgency. So more or less focus on each body part. Now, this is one of the main areas for which I, how I individualize a trainee's routine. So what we look for is the first thing I look for is how they've progressed per body part. So two quick sort of tips for you guys. If your progression is going well, obviously don't change anything. Okay. But secondly, if your progression is stalled and you feel like you can do more so you don't feel overworked and sore then increase the volume it's quite simple if your progression is stalled and you're constantly sore your joints aching it doesn't happen often with my clients we start fairly moderate in that case you reduce the volume and maybe you reduce the intensity and again that's very rare because there aren't many people who work too hard But there are certainly people who work too much so that's my quick rule of thumb on how to adapt volume for each body part based on your progress. But that's only one factor. OK, it's only one factor. The next factor is this it's looking at how your muscles actually felt during the block. OK, so I look, I use these three things, which I picked up from Dr. Mike Isretel, very sensible way of looking at things pump, disruption, and soreness. I use them slightly different than he does, but essentially, I use them over the course of a training block as a gauge. You should be getting a decent pump most of the time you should be getting decent disruption some of the time. You should be getting soreness at least once in a training block. Okay. So I use the above as a gauge. If you're not getting any of those, there's something wrong. Yeah. Again, not saying that this is all mandatory part of training. This slide here probably requires a bit of intellectual nuance to understand because there will be some people who look at this, immediately see the word pump and go, oh no, pump's got nothing to do with hypertrophy. Spare me that. Okay. Remember this is a high IQ video high IQ requires learning about nuance so pump is a factor which is involved in understanding whether you're working muscle to a to a good degree the bottom line is that an intermediate advanced trainee will usually require more volume for in my experience I've seen we're talking about more volume for from the baseline so let's say I start somebody off on about 12 sets per body part per week For most cases in what I've seen, most intermediate to advanced trainees will usually have anywhere between one to three body parts, which require a bit more attention. Like for me, my shoulders and biceps need more work. If I trained my shoulders and biceps with the same volume as everything else, they wouldn't grow. It's that simple. Also, I would say in my experience, most people have between one or two body parts where they can get away with less. So for me, that's calves and probably definitely forearms. Yeah, and chest, I would say. I can typically get away with less volume for the chest, calves and forearms. So I have some areas which are weaker, some areas which are stronger, which makes sense. Most areas are basically on the middle level. Some areas need more volume, some areas need less. That's generally what I see in my own training. And when I look at my clients, who I do this sort of individualization with, I base it on how they feel during the course of the block, but also the poundage progression. And normally what I see is each client has about one to three body parts which are very strong and one to three body parts which are weaker. And they need more work. Typically speaking, the body parts which are very strong can get away with less. The body parts which are very weak need more work. So that is another gauge for how to change intelligently change routine focusing on more or less volume per body part and basing on the poundage progression but also just on how the muscles feel did they feel worked over the last four to six weeks Did they feel good are you getting a decent pump are you getting some soreness every now and again are you getting a good level of disruption these are all good markers for indicating whether you need change and trying to just Whittle it down to the point where you have a nice individualized routine. If you're working with a coach, they should be doing this. If you're working by yourself, this is a guide for you. Okay. All right. The next reason for why we might possibly change a routine at the end of a block is injuries or soreness. Now, the very obvious statement we can start off with saying is overuse injuries are generally caused by, yeah, overuse. The body has a tremendous ability to adapt. However, overuse injuries are usually caused by us exceeding the body's capacity to adapt. So like a simple example would be, if you strain your pec, it's normally caused by excessive load. Like it can be caused by excessive volume, but in my experience, excessive loading is usually the prime problem. So if somebody strains his pec more often than not, he's gone in, he's tried to progress way too fast. He hasn't given his tendons time to adapt to the progressive load over a course of a number of weeks so rather than adding five pounds he's added 20 pounds and he's done that for a couple of weeks on a trot not good okay a more complex example is sore elbows it's a very common problem okay you get sore elbows so what is the problem if you're getting sore elbows and you're only looking at your tricep volume you're doing it wrong the elbows are involved in both types of pressing so that is pressing horizontally pressing upward to a certain extent, they're also involved in pulling, but that usually is the inner elbow, not the outer elbow. But in this case, we're looking at the outer elbow and also direct tricep volume. So it's a lot more complex. So when it comes to a sore elbow, the example that I always use is a young lady I was training a few years ago, Gemma, her name was, and basically first block that I trained with her, she ended up getting a slightly sore elbow. I evaluated the routine, had a look. And part of the evaluation, I also look at training videos. So I looked at her chest pressing and all of her chest pressing and even her overhead pressing was done with a relatively narrow grip and her elbows tucked. She was very much a tricep dominant presser. So I immediately thought to myself, ah, it's a problem. So I've, I've given her an even number of volume per body part. So she's got an even amount of chest pressing, shoulder work, tricep work. But because she's such a narrow grip presser on her chest exercises and her overhead exercises, she's getting a proportionally high degree of tricep work. So a simple solution. I didn't want to reduce the amount of direct tricep volume. So what I did was I figured if she's getting that much tricep on chest work, how much chest is she getting? Probably not as much as she needs to. So what I did was I asked her, look, how about your chest? How does that feel? She says, no, chest feels fine. I could do more work because like, ah there you go. So her chest pressing was tricep dominance. What I did was I switched out some of her chest pressing for isolation, chest exercises, and the elbow pain went away. Simple solution. You just look at it in those kind of terms. This is what an intelligent coach should be doing to try and figure out where the problem is coming from. Okay. We can't just say elbow hurt, apply a voodoo floss or whatever crap people sell these days or whatever, like, We have to look at the whole routine and also the way the individual is performing that routine and have a look at what the cause of the soreness is. We made that change. Her elbow cleared up. It was great. Never came back. But that's part and parcel of how an intellectual coach who pays attention will be able to individualize for the client. That is how individualization is done. But anyway, moving on to the next point. So the final point of why we might change a routine is for a mental change. Yeah. Now this is both the least and the most important reason. I think the least important reason based on just hard progress. Okay. If you want to just have the maximum amount of progress in a given year, this is probably the least important thing or reason to change. Like me, for example, I was, I'm never that much of a fan of, and I was about to say I'm never that much of a fan of enjoying the routine, but listen, I get my enjoyment from training, from getting results. I always have. Okay. Some people get their enjoyment from training from other reasons. They get their enjoyment from training, for exercise variety of doing new exercises. For me, it's always been progress. A bit of an analogy is Warcraft actually, World of Warcraft. Now, for some of you guys, you know that I play and I've always played a DPS class, a damage class, sorry, golfing on a slightly nerdy tangent here. But anyway, people typically say, look, play the class you enjoy. Okay. Don't chase the flavor of the month classes. But I've played since vanilla. I've played for, from the beginning. And what I've always enjoyed is doing a lot of damage. That's my thing. So in the similar way, for me, enjoyment in the gym comes from getting results. Just like enjoyment in the game comes from melting faces, right? So I don't really care about how the class plays. I'm interested in the big numbers. That's the same as how I approach my training. I'm not really that fussed about making a change for the sake of change. I'm focused on maximum performance. That's what's fun for me. When I look at my training log and I see progression, for me, that's fun. And we're all individual. We all have individual needs. This is why I said mental change is both the most important and the least important reason to change your routine. It really depends on you. So I generally stick to a routine for six to 12 months. That's how long I usually do the same routine very much this very much depends on the client's perspective so some clients feel like constantly changing is more value for money now fortunately i don't get that much anymore when i was starting off coaching about eight years ago i was less confident in my coaching ability so as a result i probably was a lot more lenient on clients who wanted just have frequent changes for the sake of it. And I think also I charged less money. So those clients who I was getting didn't really value the service as well or value my expertise. But any case, so they would just constantly be looking for change, like literally weekly change. So I would think it's mad, but there would be people saying, Faz, any changes to the routine this week? And I would be stumped by this question. Like, what is he talking about? Why? Would you do that? But it was the type of clientele I was attracting. At least now I'm much more fortunate that I don't, I rarely get that question. Maybe block to block, but I rarely get the week to week question. So I think some clients do feel like constant change is more value for money. Fortunately, I don't have any clients like that on board at the moment at all. They're all very sensible and they, you know, they're, they're good with that. But other types of people just enjoy change for change sake. And I think that's probably the best reason to change. If you are going to, it's not something that I can empathize with (laughs) because that's not me, but uh, certainly for some clients, they like a bit of a change every now and again, which is fine if it makes them enjoy the routine more. Ultimately, it's going to be valuable, but that's the third reason for why to change a routine. Okay. So some concluding thoughts, Now, making changes to your routine should be intelligently applied. So no changes whatsoever can lead to inefficient routines. So you never really find or what you never really individualize for a client, which I think is a missed opportunity. Sell individualization, but when it comes to actually doing it, their version of it of individualization is just individualizing for how many days a client wants to train, what focus the client has of their training. Whereas true individualization is actually doing this, what I've described in the last 20 minutes. That's what true individualization is. And you can only do that after you've worked with the client for a while. So if you make no changes, then there is issues there. It can also potentially lead to injury and boredom as we discussed. Now, on the other hand, too frequent changes result to a complete lack of progress, the illusion of progress, but really just poundage progression, which is taking people back up to working maxes and you constantly live in training purgatory. Hopefully I made that point at the beginning. I honestly felt like I could have ended that video there. It would have been quite a good one with just that first point. But I had this down in my notes. So if you do this correctly, you maximize the time spent in the golden zone where a calorie surplus can actually be used and you finally gain. So there's a great deal of value. And I think this is one of those cases where this thing in particular, this training, this living and training purgatory can be a very insidious way that people just don't gain over the years because you don't know if you're in training purgatory, you really have no idea. You don't know you're there. You're constantly seeing your poundages go up. You hit a wall every four weeks. Every time you eat in a caloric surplus, you gain fat and you're like, what's going on? Because you don't know any better. When you finally work with a coach who intelligently applies progression and individualization, then, and you're forced to stick to a routine unless you have a very good reason to change. Then you finally start seeing some results and you're like whoa okay this is how we gain and i encourage all of you to have that experience at least once in your lives just to teach you what it's like to live in that golden zone it's very valuable anyway i'm going to call the video there for more interactions with me you can follow me on instagram also on facebook and passively on there And on Twitter every now and again, also I have a Patreon where you can support my work or you can actually get in touch for more interactions via discord and for the ultimate in interactions with me on a week to week basis. My beautiful face in your inbox every week can be signing up for coaching. And there is a link down below. Get in touch. Let me know what you're interested in. We can talk and hopefully I can provide you with a good service. All right. So I will call it there. Peace out. See you soon.